Welcome into Coach's Corner live again. Uh, we are not at Wild Hair in Spring Hill. What gave uh, it away? What gave it away? I think we're at a certain house. It's got a nice TV in the background, as you can see, as we positioned ourselves. Uh, Darren let us know halfway through the day that they had some uh, maintenance they were going to be doing at Wild Hair, so probably wouldn't be a good time for us to have a live podcast while they were working on some things. Had some maintenance guys there banging and clanging on things. So we do appreciate Darren giving us the heads up. They will be back open, I think he said, tomorrow. Uh, sometimes these things just happen uh, when you're in the restaurant and the bar business. It's, it's a football season. It's a football show. It's a long season, so uh, we're going to stick with it, and uh, good on them. Apparently, we're just just, uh, just winging it here, (laughs) apparently. So, uh, no, no. So, excited to be here this week. Uh, Probably more excited than any Titans fans were watching the the game this weekend, but we'll get into that a little bit more. One big announcement that we want to get to, though. We have a new member of the show. Lurking in the depths in the background is producer Patrick. So Patrick's going to be joining in on any sort of chat that comes in here. He's going to be making sure that we stay on target here. So happy to have you, Patrick. I know he does not have a mic, cannot join, no camera right now, but I'm sure he'll be making some appearances as we move along here. So yeah, so if you get mad that your your comment isn't being discussed on the show, you get mad at Patrick because he, he'll uh, be low, uh, slow on the trigger there. <laughs> So yes, uh, thank y'all for sticking with us for, through all this change. But uh, and thank you for sticking with the Titans. I got to say because I know if you saw us on the halftime show on the roundtable, it wasn't a it wasn't a happy day for sure. Uh, but lots can get better. It's just the first game, as we said a lot. And if you're writing the Broadway stuff, uh, Easton had a good overreactions article this week on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. So check that out. Uh, things happen in games. Any given Sunday, people can can win a game. I mean, just think football can bounce different ways. I, I see in the chat here, we're already hurting. I get it. We're hurting too. It was kind of tough. It's going to be tough to watch some of that film back and, and, and break some of this down. And to be honest with you, some of this, as Jonathan, you alluded to during the week last week, is the Titans kind of set themselves up for um, by not practicing the offense throughout a whole preseason. Maybe that wouldn't have mattered. I mean, they didn't practice versus the, uh, leading up to the Bills last year, and they dominated that game. But again, Caveat there, they had practiced a bunch before then, so they had at least had some of these basics down. They looked rusty in a lot of areas. There were some some miscommunications, not quite all there. The chemistry isn't quite there with Julio and Ryan Tannehill. There was some concern about that in social media. But, JB, what was your biggest concern coming out of the game or from what you watched? Man, you look at it, and ultimately it's got to be the offensive cohesion. The fact is you didn't expect this defense to be a team that was uh, just dominant on defense. You didn't need them to be. I, I All offseason I was talking about how this defense is just bad. They're winning games. Um, unfortunately, though, uh, I, and it's hard to say. A defense that gave up 38 points, I don't think they were terrible. Um, the offense, on the other hand, um, all of the anxiety that a lot of fans would have felt in the offseason about the change from Art Smith to Todd Downing didn't see a lot of things to make them feel better. And uh, I, I see a comment right in here uh, talking about the line. And it ultimately, you, you got to start there. That's where football is played. You win in the trenches and... Yeah, it was Chandler Jones just completely wrecking shop, and not just on one player. Luan did not have a good game. We'll talk about that a little bit, but ultimately, it the, the offensive line for a, a line that made Duke had two thousand yards rushing last year, um, they just did not perform. Yeah, and before we get into all that about what exactly a line, one, one thing I forgot to mention is that it was kind of, you know, we picked, obviously we picked the Titans to win. I think we both picked them by around 10 to win, so egg on our face right there. But I think we should have known better, right? 
Because anytime the Titans have these kind of expectations, higher expectations on them, they, they tend to do this throughout their history. Good news, I guess, and we'll get to the Seahawks here later in the show, but good news is, is that under Vrabel, at least, they tend to rebound after double-digit losses, and they, I think he's 7-0 and in those matchups. So, obviously, they've never traveled to Seattle for those games, but it just is it as a long-time person that's been around Nashville, seeing these Titans play, is it disappointing to you to see the expectations, see the fans show up for the team, and then just lay an egg like this? Oh, it's got to be. I mean, this is a team that has made it a perennial thing where they have some sort of expectations and, frankly, let down fans. They build up excitement. They complain about the number of away fans that are going to show up in the stadium. That was a pretty packed house. That was a team that was re- that was a stadium that was ready to be excited about a team, and it's a huge letdown. And right. that's the thing. You lose a close game to a good team in week one, that's one thing. But to come out there and ultimately just lay an egg, and we talk about you can be bad but be exciting, there was nothing exciting about the game either. You, you, when you look at those first few drives, they were predictable, they were slow, they were boring, there was nothing. I mean, the Titans did as good of a job as the Cardinals did of taking their fans out of the game early, and that's exactly what an away team tries to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they played right into their hands. So you see the title down there, WTF Titans. I mean, that's what it really feels like. I mean, you have this opportunity, you have this hype, you have this offense, the analysts that your own team, says good luck stopping and the Cardinals did it with ease and and just to kind of get into it and to get to kind of our our woes and our problems that we discussed kind of earlier was that one of the big things um like you said was the predictability of the offensive play calling and you thought with yourself maybe with all this these two high-powered receivers for sure two legit number one receivers or could be and with the running back that you have in Derrick Henry, you think that they could possibly open it up and, and, and not be so predictable. But it, it seemed like you could almost like a clock guess what the play was going to be from down to down. And downing, a real downer there, and, 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 and calling the game like that. And then what made matters worse was, as you said, the offensive line not really looking like they were in a solid unit with their communication. It wasn't just Lawan. Let's call it what it is. Lawan, the Pro Bowl tackle, had a bad day. It's his first full game coming off of a serious knee injury, and those things are going to happen. It doesn't help that he's going up against someone who's the pass rush talent that Chandler Jones is. So those things, you know, you don't want them to happen, but some of that was to be expected to be that. But he got knocked down by some smaller players too on some pass rush. He just didn't seem like he was all there. Concerning for me, though, also, and these guys missed time due to COVID list and all this, was the interior of the offensive line from Nate Davis, Ben Jones, and Roger Saffold. They also had their own gaffes in the run game. Nate Davis, as I, as I said on Sunday, missed some climb assignments and did not see the linebackers, and that stuff was concerning to me as well. So when you have those things going, predictable play calling, and then an offensive line who is not – is not executing to the level that you know they can, that spells a bad day for your running back. And unfortunately, as we said in the preseason, with this offense, what we were hoping that when teams are clearly trying to take Derrick Henry out of the game, because they think that if that happens in Tannehill, they go, it's not just Tannehill, but the play calling can't open it up, they're dead in the water. And that's very much what happened to this offense on Sunday. And that was one thing we were hoping with this new, possibly new scheme and possibly new toys to play with would not happen for the Titans. You talk about the new scheme. I think ultimately it's something here that um, new scheme. I mean, yeah, hopeful no, new scheme. No, I mean you, you're talking about you know they came out, they ran a lot more eleven personnel than what uh, Art Smith ran last year. Now we kind of expected that with Todd Downing coming in, he ran more eleven personnel in in Oakland when he was there. Um, but this one is more of a hey, was this indicative of them playing catch up a lot and they had to run some wide receivers out there to try and get back in to the game? Um, I think as they move forward, it's going to be more indicative of what this offense truly is. But look, you know, we talk about we have, uh, you know, all of the the fans, 
the analysts, they've been talking about what is the consistency going to be going from Art Smith to Todd Downing. And we've been asking those questions. Downing may have gotten in his head a little bit to show that they're still going to be this running team. They want to come out here and establish dominant a dominant run game. And sometimes you forget that the defense is expecting that too. That's exactly what they're expecting you to do. And you played, again, right into their hands by that continuous first down run second down run, predictable third down, likely play action pass. And so you're really setting your offense up for failure by not getting being very creative out there and taking advantage of a defense that was expecting you to do that. And look, when I said Tannehill, like, I don't mean to say that Tannehill had a bad day. I think he had some poorly chosen throwing – or throwing choices earlier in the in the game where there could have been easily pick sixes that he – a screen that he should have thrown into the ground that he went and tried to complete anyway, those kinds of things. But at the same time, I thought he was pretty pinpoint and we had some pretty good throws throughout the game. It didn't help that Julio Jones developed a case of the drops. I think he had, what, three drops at one point in a row? Yeah, and, and drops are relative, right? Like those are very tough catches that he would have had right there. But when you're Julio Jones, you're expected to make the, those. The, the expectations raise, right? You're not expecting him just to make routine catches. That's not what you brought him in here to do. And you saw that uh, A.J. Brown made some of those tough catches. Right. So I think everybody expects A.J. Brown to be your number one wide receiver, but you do expect those kind of catches to for Julio to come down with. So, I mean, you, you look at the offense, you know, we're seeing it on the screen here. Long-term, long-term issues are easy fixes. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Um, I think this is a team that has proven over the years that if you can make Tannehill have to be the guy that has to beat you, truly take away that, the threat of that run game, then, yeah, it's going to be tough. Most teams are like that, though. So I'm not too worried about that. It, the bigger issues are going to be, what are you going to do on the offensive line? You can't, we we're talking about it with with the group today, this is not a team that you can wait until December and then expect Taylor Lewan to be able to win his one-on-one matchups. And I don't think it'll necessarily take that long. He'll catch up to the speed of the game. But you won games last year without Taylor Lewan. Don't wait on that. Go ahead and adjust. Provide him help. Yes, it it limits some things, but you're too talented on offense to sit around and wait until everybody is playing their A game. Because Questmere, I thought, had a – I don't want to say really good game, but he was not noticeable. And I'll I'll look back at the film, but if you're not noticeable at a tackle spot, it probably means you had a good game. And I agree with you. And Keith uh, Keith Carter has earned some, some patience with me. Because he's proven he can put together some things, so they'll get it worked out. This was, I think this was the most. This game right here was the most they played together since last year. I don't know if they even had full practices together, based on what you were seeing from the news with all them being out. So I, I'm not I'm not building too much stock into this as a long term issue. I'm not saying it's an easy fix, like you said. Some adjustments can help there, but I really think the offensive line can get it together quicker than other places. Uh, it's the biggest concern because obviously if that offensive line isn't humming, then that run game is pretty dead. I don't care how good Derrick Henry is. You have to have people in front of him blocking. You can't have missed assignments and, and leaks because, again, Derrick Henry does need a second to get going. He's fast once he gets going, but he needs that buffer to be able to get going, get those legs driving. So I think I think they'll get it fixed sooner rather than later. It's just they may have to have a few little adjustments to, to, to shore up for Lawan while he's still getting back into game shape and getting used to it. Because from the few plays I saw, like Kenneth said here in the chat here, when Buda Baker just running over him, like I alluded to earlier, he basically gets his foot uh, une- his feet uneven, his lead stick foot gets out in front of him, and then Buda just pushes him and he loses his balance. So it was just a poor technique. He got a little too high. 
it, maybe he thought he could take a playoff because it was a smaller guy coming at him. I'm not sure, but but Taylor Lewan, if anything else, he's a prideful human being, and he'll he'll take this to heart, and I think he'll be better. At least if if not, they've got some answers there. You know that Sombrero can uh, come in and, and 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 pinch hit for you there at tackle. So I think I think they'll get it fixed. Uh, the receiver stuff. Uh, you know, what's your opinion there? Because I think that I think that chemistry needs to be built there. I think Julio just needs to get used to Tannehill, how he throws it a little better. Because he's been he's had the one quarterback in the NFL for the most part all of his career. And now he's switching to someone who probably throws the ball just a little differently. I don't know for sure on that. I would have to assume that it's, it, it, that's highly likely. But what are your think what are your thoughts there on the receiving? Uh, is it more play calling or do you think they just need more time together? Well, you can go back to last week's show and you know my thoughts around timing. Is is there something to be said there? Probably a little bit. Um, and I said last week, you know, they open themselves up to criticism. I don't necessarily know that it's valid, but you're going to expect that how they treated the preseason, the number of reps they got, and I know Vrabel was coming out, they practiced with the guys they got. Well, you had healthy guys, you weren't playing in preseason games. Now, whether or not a couple of drives would have made much of a difference, again, we go back, you see the results now in game one, and it's hard to sit there and argue anything anything on the other side. So I don't think that the timing is as big of a deal. What I saw was coming out of this play-action game, there was a lot of impact from the fact that these were deep running routes, and you didn't have time to hold up for those things to actually come to fruition. Mm -hmm. So you got to adjust. That's where I think Downing has to do a better job adjusting and going to a bit of a quick game. Yes. Slow down those rushers a little bit, even, even if it's a, a true screen that you can throw out there I know they had the failed one early on because that's a natural thing you know whenever you're you, you see a, an offense kind of panicking you know you kind of expect the screen you don't screen go Henry at some yeah, point I think. You, you don't you don't go away from it immediately yeah. and so I think quick games and a lot of people were worried about these quick wide receiver screens that Downing liked to run out in Oakland well you had one attempt you had one attempt to Julio um, and that one was batted down at the line so I think you can get you can make adjustments with the slants with those quick comeback routes not these 15 20 yard routes downfield that you're expecting play action to buy you time to do because let me tell you Chandler Jones he was going to be there every single time yeah that dude's a stud. I mean, he needs a pay raise immediately because that's it's a he's a pass rush specialist in a league that really values that position. So, um, I think some of the things are fixable on offense. And no, uh, and in the chat, Robert Greenlaw, the 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 uh, master of grading, as it were, is it yeah. His his grading system's uh, going big time. Going big time. Made outkick uh, three hundred and sixty today. So congratulations there, uh, Mister Proprietary. Law. Proprietary. <laughs> So, but no, I don't think it's hopeless. I, I think that the, the Titans can rebound. This team is too good for them not to win games. Um, I'll get to my thoughts about the Seahawks later on. But uh, moving over, then, because I think we I think we beat a dead horse here with the offense. They were bad. They need to get better. We just to, to round up here. I think that they can fix it. Maybe if it's not this week, it'll be pretty quick. I think they just need more reps together and a little more understanding of how each other operate. Hopefully, Downing can take a little different approach to his game and get out of a, a shell. And, and open it up a little bit, I think that would really work. Beating a dead horse is a really appropriate term because that's essentially what the Cardinals did because a dead horse <laughs> is an apt description of what the Titans were on, on well, Sunday. Well, they were dead fish maybe too, so they were really bad. But moving over to the defense real quick, because I know that there were – as bad as – some things happened over there. There were some positive things. I know it, it's tough to say that in a 38-point loss – or 38, giving up 38 points, excuse me. But it, w what did you see that you were happy with from the defense? 
So and you have to understand how you're going to play Kyler Murray as a quarterback. You're not going in there expecting to get six or seven sacks, you know, um, even four or five, unless Kyler Murray is running into those sacks, which some of those mobile quarterbacks can be can can be uh, have a tendency to do. Um, you're going in there hoping that you contain him as a rusher. And I th- thought they did that. They did contain him as a rusher. The problem is, is that uh, one, Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate if he stays healthy. And he had hit one of his best games of his career. That's a bad combination. Right. And then you combine that just with, there were there some fluke plays in there yet? Yeah, Janoris Jenkins falling down, um, you know, early on. Now you're getting behind behind the sticks. Then you're talking about the offense turning the ball over. Uh, so you're putting the defense in even worse situations. I am less concerned about the defense. And I see a question in here from Cyrus on Periscope. How concerned am I about the defense long term? I'm less concerned about the defense than I am the offense right now. I think the offense likely turns it around. I think the defense still ends up being about middle of the pack. But you're talking about a team. If you're looking for improve improvements, uh, it, I thought you saw a lot of things. Now, going into Seattle, we'll talk about it a little bit. What you don't get out of uh, the Cardinals is really a dedication to the run game. They're not going to have – you know what they're going to do. They're going to come out here. They're going to go with that air raid offense and attack you through the air. Um, and I thought there were some positives there. So I'm not as hard on the defense as I think a lot of people are going to be out there. Yeah, I thought Landry looked good. I, I really do. And, and like you were saying, there about Murray just had a good day. There was, I mean, heck, some of those throws were off his back foot. He was backpilling away from the defense. I mean, the rush was there. It was in his face. It was active, as opposed to years in the past where they weren't active. And that was more concerning to me. I thought Christian Fulton had a heck of a day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, Mike Miracles is famous for saying that it's the skele- or the ghost of uh, A.J. Green out there, which there's some truth to that. But, sure. I mean, it, cool, if the receiver you're going against is terrible, that's what you want to do to mm-hmm. him. You want to completely limit him and take him out of the game. Right. And Jack Rabbit had a, a tough assignment over there on, on, on Hopkins because arguably the best receiver. I mean, that dude just catches. But it doesn't help that on scheme, as Superhorn pointed out on Twitter today, that if you have zero blitz and you have your your, your – coverage 10 yards away from the man in a second or third and five situation, whatever it was, it just seems not ideal. It didn't help the Bayard was slow coming downhill on the touchdown catch. That wasn't on Jackrabbit or uh, Fulton, but I thought the corners had a pretty good day. I thought Molden overall had a, had a pretty big, pretty good day, save for maybe one or two plays. Yeah, it look, it'll happen. Look, he's, he's a rookie, so right. again, how you're grading somebody is all relative. Um, I think when you look at Molden, did he give up the touchdown to Christian Kirk? Um, yes, he did. The, the thing is, in that, in that situation, you had Bayard over the top as your safety help. He shaded to Hopkins' side, which is reasonable. You understand that. And then you have to understand what your players bring to the table. Yeah, Molden is not going to run with everybody on straight verts straight down the field. He did get beat on that, but it's also you combine that with situation, right? So it's third and four in that situation. You want to, if you're the defender, you're trying to take away sure. that first down pass. Because look, the Titans are behind right here. Yes, you don't. You can say, oh well, they're further behind now because they gave up the touchdown. No, you're trying to hold them to a field goal. You're expecting that quick hitting pass, right. and there is a little bit of a guessing game to it. Molden's athleticism, that's where he's going to be a little bit limited, that if he guesses wrong, he's not – I guarantee you're going to see Farley get beat, but he's just going to be such a freak athlete whenever he gets out there that he's going to be able to make up for some of it. Molden's not that guy. But what I did see out of Molden is fundamentals, understanding how to play the position. He was aggressive. He was physical. He played the the mesh route uh, 
perfect. The natural pick rub plays and pick very plays. impressed with that. Yes, he played that perfect. And to do that as a rookie, that showed a lot of potential right there. So from the DB's perspective, I thought there was a lot to uh, be excited about. Look, Bayard, and it may be what he's being coached to do as you kind of going to go back and watch the tape. But whenever you have a blitzer coming from the slot there, you have to understand a quarterback is going to know where his hot read is at. Throw it where the blitz is coming from. That's what you coach quarterbacks to do. Right. So you have to know as a defender, this is going to be his hot read. And if you really want to make a play, that's where you're going to take a chance and come downhill and try and pick off that ball right, right. there. Not just sit back and wait. Because once you get once Hopkins is in the open field right there with all the momentum, good luck even if you do tackle. And honestly, my I think my whole thing was if you guess wrong and you bite and he's about to go, then you grab everything you can and you pull that man to the ground and you get a flag. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, there is an element to blitzing that it is a bit of a gamble. And right. so you have to know that. You don't just sit back and wait to be carved up right there. So Bayard, I'd like to see him come downhill on that, especially when you notice that it is Hopkins that's sitting there in the slot. Yeah, and people are going to say, why are y'all bashing Bayard? He had a pick. He did, and I'm glad he showed some life. He's also covering a tight end. I damn well expect him to be able to win that coverage battle. I mean, yeah, that's, and, that's and simple. And it's not Travis Kelsey. Right, <laughs> it's not. It wasn't, I don't even think I could tell you the name off the top of my head, and I know that's bad, but that's how much I don't know who that person is. But, no, I just it, I expect Bayard to win that situation. He did. He made a great play. So Bayard's still a very talented player, and he has that in him. It's just that I don't know if it's the scheme change or over the years or that he feels like he doesn't have as much help from his corners or he's having to do too much back there. I really think that once they get Farley healthy and in there and in rotation to some degree, whatever that does, I think that the secondary is going to be fixed at some point. Not – Sorry, not fixed, but improved to where they can at least be manageable. Because, again, if this offense can do what we think it can and what every analyst thinks it can and what it can do on paper, then this defense just has to be average, in my opinion, it, to, for them to, to easily win games and not be having to come from behind every single week or, or be blown out. Well, you, you look at how this, how this team is constructed. If this offense is not pulling their weight and being one of the top 10 offenses in the league, then, it's, then you know, the whole system falls apart. Yeah. Like you, you didn't build this defense with the expectation that they were going to be a top five unit in the league. Do I think they still have the potential to be a competitive, you know, middle of the road defense? Mm -hmm. I absolutely do. You wanted to see pass rush. You saw pass rush. You saw pressure on the quarterback. And you have to factor in how you were playing Kyler Murray. I think that changes. Again, as we talk about moving on to week two, which we'll get into, I think how you play that offense is completely different. There is not an offense when healthy, and I think that's the big factor. Kyler Murray's big thing is when you look at him last year, I think even CBS brought it up. Through week 10, when he was healthy, he was an MVP candidate. His problem is that he's 5'6", 125 pounds, and so he's going to break down over the season. But if he can stay healthy, he's, this is not the last defense he's going to make look stupid. No, and there'll be much better defenses that he makes look stupid, and he has done that in his past. So this isn't overly surprising. It's just a bad combination of Kyler having the best game of his career mixed with the Titans' offense being stagnant, not doing anything, and these kind of games happen. Honestly, you'd rather get him out of the way early so you can start to work because, as we said in the preseason show, you'd rather have you'd rather be playing your best football later in the season than now because right now isn't, isn't going to determine a Super Bowl winner. There's no tell me who you think is going to be the Super Bowl favorite right now after the games you watched, and I guarantee you're not sure because the Chiefs didn't look that great either. Yeah, well, especially with extra teams getting into the playoffs, it's it's definitely find your groove, work out the kinks now, and sure. get hot late. So speaking of strategy and you make how this team is built, one thing just I want to touch real quick was the kicker strategy. And our producer's on it, man. That is fantastic work right there. The, the kicker strategy, and I don't mean necessarily they keep bringing these bums because I don't know if you look at who's available, who they could bring in that could be better than who they are. They're just giving these guys who clearly are cast-offs from their team's chances. And it's, it's, 
I, I don't understand you've missed the extra point. Why would you would ever try any other field goals or do anything else? Why at this point in time you would try to do these things. You just need to always go for it all the time, have that mentality. Maybe I'm just being overly aggressive or overly pigheaded there, but I'm sick of seeing the kicker strategy in the kicker game at the Titans, how they're handling this. And now I don't even know who they've got in there now. It's an old Texans kicker. Randy Bullock. Randy Bullock, who – has uh, Robert Greenlaw again had some interesting notes on him and his kicking style. He sucks. So that was some hard hitting analysis there from uh, Mr. Greenlaw. But again, it's frustrating to see that they can't find someone who can come in and they work with and can be at least semi consistent with at least what they do. At the, at, the, at the same time, if you don't have confidence that these people are going to do this, then shouldn't you change your strategy and kind of where I wanted to go to be go, 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 especially fourth and one towards half those kind of situations instead of kicking. Yeah, it, it, when you look at the kicker, you oh kind of... Oh my gosh, there's a list. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like uh, producer Patrick coming out here. I think he, this is what he's been waiting for. Very passionate about the uh, the kicking game here. Uh, I, Patrick should try out for kicker. He should, he should. <laughs> I mean, he'll get in the long list, and he's destined to. You got, you got your own kicking jersey, like the uh, the Browns had the quarterback jersey years ago. It's gotten to the point that anytime you see Titans kicker in any sort of news, you expect that somebody's on IR, somebody's been released. That's that's just you've just been conditioned to expect that kind of not thing. Not an NFL record for points or anything like that. No, absolutely not. So I mean, at some point, don't you have to almost adapt? Look, when when Vrabel kicked it on fourth and three, I believe for that was fourth and one, fourth and one, something yeah. like that. Literally, I just sat here and said, "There's no chance he's making this kick." Yeah, like you have no confidence, and you got to feel like the players don't have confidence either. Also, read the room, guy. Read the room. Like get. Understand that three points ain't winning that game. You're not if you're kicking field goals in a game you lose by 25 points, you're just kind of disconnected. Right. And plus, as Cyrus points out here, in the past they've had they've had a kicker for kickoff and a kicker for field goals, wasting his spot on the roster. It just it's not a sound strategy there. So I hope they don't go back to that. Uh, but at the same time, I just I have open tryouts in Nashville. Surely, surely to God, somebody around the city can kick better than this or can at least do extra points. I mean, that, that's just embarrassing to roll that out there. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I don't really agree with it. And it's, at this point in time, I'd rather them, you know, I still think you have a weapon in, in Brett in Brett Kern. So I don't want to say never punt it, but maybe if you're in striking distance and it's fourth and less than five, go ahead and go for it or just tell, Kern to coffin corner best he can. <laughs> uh, you know my strategy, though. I think if, you, if you're supposed to have an offense like you do, I don't necessarily know that this offense on Sunday was that one. But ultimately, it does. It, you're not winning by style points in the NFL, especially. You're, you, you, the goal is to win the game. Yep. If you're going to lose, losing by 50 is no different than losing by one. Right. So go for it. <laughs> I agree. I don't care. He'd probably catch some some heat, but I'd be all for it. I'd be I'd be giddy in my chair watching the game if, if that was the The, the goal mantra. is to win the game, and I feel like you give yourself a better chance. If you don't have a kicker that you can at least somewhat rely on, go for it. And yep. also, extra points, yeah. I'm 100% more confident in an offense to put the ball in the end zone from the two-yard line than I am for them to kick an extra point. That is it's very sad to say. At these days, I you know, and honestly, I would the pressure you put on the other uh, the other team. I would much rather you do that anyway, regardless of your kicking situation. I would love for the Titans to go for two every single time, even if they if they miss most of them. If but if they're getting a, a good portion, say forty percent of them, keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, 
if it's 40%, it doesn't make sense. But if it's 50% or both, that's how much I don't want them to kick. Oh, okay. You're, you're willing to sacrifice points yes. just because you don't want to watch yes. it. Yes. I, I like it. Yes. I like it. I'm not, I'm, when you put it that way, I can't really argue too much. Yeah. I mean, it's just a want to. Now, there's no rationale behind my want to. No. And, but when you look at Vrabel in his history, he is a very um, conservative coach. He does not, he is not as aggressive and he's inconsistent when he is aggressive. And so, I mean, I don't expect him to adjust. I'll say unfortunately, but I think it's a major indictment on his um, maybe stubbornness. Now I will say, as I said in the post game, the fake punt was perfect because nobody expected it. No one. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's the time you do it. I think there was one last year where it's like clear as day. This is the most obvious fake punt I right. could imagine. And in those situations, just try your offense back out there. Right, exactly. So but again, you know, the stubbornness with with how he's gonna change in his going for fourth down, his aggressiveness there, his stubbornness for coordinator fondness and not being able to go out and, and try to find guys that can be better than what's in house. I mean, that's going to be a, until they start doing better, man, that's going to be continue to be a topic of discussion. And there's no one else to blame there, but Vrabel for the simple fact that it didn't even seem like, it didn't seem like he even tried to go anywhere else. And the offseason seemed like they had their mind up where they were going to go. They were going to stay in house and they kept it that way. Now, who knows if they interviewed anybody, I would have assumed that would have come out that they would have had major interviews from, from a big name or something, but it didn't come out if it did. So you're left to say, well, I guess you knew that. So stubbornness there, I don't know if it's Zigo. I'm not ready to go there yet. I know that that's a hot topic out there as well. But they're not changing things right now. But question, should they change anything major before the Seahawks game? I think the biggest adjustment you got to make is that you have to understand that uh, Taylor LeJuan, either either he's still injured or he's not the player he you, you thought he was. One, whichever way, you still have to play it similarly, and you got to be able to adjust and bring in some additional tight end help on that side until you've proven, uh, proven otherwise. Because you can't have your entire game wrecked because of uh, one player. Right. You've got to be able to adjust to that. If that means less options out in the, out in the routes, that's fine. You, you've made a history of that over the last 10 years, some with more success than others. But you've got to be able to adjust there. Beyond that, I don't expect a ton of adjustments. I think on defense, yeah, when you talk about how you play Russell Wilson, is he elusive? He is. Is he hard to get down? 100%. He's not Kyler Murray. And that that is not a knock on Russell Wilson. He's still one of the best in, yeah. the, in, in the game. Peyton Manning is not Kyler Murray either, but right. I'd still love to have Peyton Manning as, as my quarterback. So it's <laughs> even, just how even you now probably. <laughs> it's just how you play them. Um, and ultimately, I see here from Facebook, Johnny Aikens here, he doesn't want to hear a damn thing. He just wants to see a difference come Sunday. And that, that's what it's got to be. You've got to have that attitude. I, I'm sorry, but the putting things out on Twitter, thanks uh, for exposing me. I'll be better for it. Ain't nobody want to hear that. All right. Go to work. Oh, no, you're not you, Luan. I, no, got you. Nobody, I got you. Nobody cares. <laughs> work harder. And ultimately, that that's what you gotta you got to do. Um, I think I've said in the offseason that I don't think that J-Rob or Vrabel are on the hot seat. But I do think there's a situation here where they end up being there. If this team goes like six and eleven, if they don't make corrections, then yeah, you're gonna see some major changes. So, do I think there's gonna be huge changes this week? No, you've worked all off season to for what you were going to be. You just got to clean it up, mm-hmm. and you got to move forward. You got to put the game behind you. You got to go in there. You got to clean some things up. Because look, I don't think there are huge changes you have to make. It's pretty obvious the changes that you got to make. Yeah, I think I would like to see them help their offensive line out by being less predictable because that was the other big thing too. Is you can say the offensive line wasn't in sync, and that's very much true. Also, you can say that the the 
offense being uh, predictable also caused fits for the offensive line because if the defense knows what's coming or has a general idea, it's tougher to block. You can, it, I'm sorry, but the advantage goes to the defense on a lot because they can just – they don't have to read anything. They don't. They can just go a lot of times with those pass rushes, especially when you step in those situations. So I'd like to see them uh, help out screens, early down quick throws. They had the, the drive that was working for them. I think it was their fourth drive of the game. Don't hold me to that. But they threw a quick pass to A.J. Brown that was complete for a 12-yard gain. It was just a short little quick seam, little small seam route just right there in front of the off corner. Just safety, off safety. More things like that to help this offense stay off balance in your play calling will help keep the defense off balance as well. So maybe – I don't call that a major change, but just – don't be so predictable and don't try to run every first down. Still try to establish Derrick Henry because he's very much a big part of this offense. But do it in a smart way where you can keep him unpredictable as well and let him attack the defense. You see that in the second half a little bit too where he's able to break off some runs. And those things just have to come together in a mesh. And I think with time, Downing and this offensive line can come to that, I think. Yeah, and you talk about you know going to some of that quick game and what that does, not just for your offensive line, but also to the defensive ends. It was pretty clear that uh, Chandler Jones was firing off at the snap every single time and getting upfield. Now, he had some counter moves. He had, uh, d- has some real good uh, fakes with uh, showing his hands to the offensive lineman to get him to commit. But ultimately, if you start going to that quick game and you talk about the, the quick set that the offensive tackles can do, even if you're buying yourself a, a tenth of a second um, from those defensive ends that have to, because look, you're, you're taught as a defensive end that if you see that, it's to stop and get your hands up to try and knock it down. But then there's, there's ramifications for that because if you're having to think about that, that's slowing you down on your next rush. Is this another quick set? Am right. I having to adjust to that? There are ways you can do it from a play calling to slow that pass rush down. So I think that's where you can do it. Now, the biggest adjustment I think the Titans can make going against Seattle is uh, that Seattle doesn't have Chandler Jones. <laughs> That's a good thing. And so I think that helps a ton. Um, that said, you, you've got to be able to get back to the run game. But I will also say, even if you get away from the run game, yes, you want consistency in this offense, but if Todd Downing has any sort of considerations of he is trying to be Art Smith, you can't be that. Right, wrong, or indifferent, no. Todd Downing is the guy for this offense, and he's got to run his offense. He's got to find his own identity in this, and that's kind of what I'm saying is that these offense, and also let's not let's not pretend like this for the first game especially that that these NFL coaches didn't have a year's worth of film with this offense and just guess that you were going to stay pretty similar from transitioning internal, and that's exactly what it looked like, and it feels like a lot of the same things, a lot of the same scheme, and just because of the sloppiness. Here's the thing too: that scheme works if everything's humming. Everything wasn't humming. So that's one of those things, too, that you have to consider. So that defense seemed to be ready and prepared for a lot of that because that's the film they watched. They didn't have to worry about any wrinkles because it presented it to them right in front of them as they just saw on film from the year before for the most part, at least the the, the style and the, the cadence of it. So a lot of those things you hope you, you have a little bit of changes. And those aren't major changes to me. Yeah, it's just it's just a little balance in your in your philosophy, and then just some cohesiveness with your players. Well, and I, I saw a comment on here that another I guess podcast commented that they they liked the plays that were running; they just didn't have time to run them. Then they're not good plays. Ultimately, they're not. If you know, and trust me, it was pretty apparent by midway through the first quarter. You're not going to have the time that you want. So yeah, I I mean I'm a great Madden play caller if I'm running against Madden on you know rookie mode right. So you have to adjust to what the defense gives you, and you have to understand what you can get. If you can't hold up to ha- to have time to run the plays, it's not a good play call. So that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, things are great on the. We we always talk about the last coach with the marker wins. 
Well, guess what? If you can win up front the way that uh, that Arizona, Arizona was able to do, then guess what? You better have a very, very, very short marker strokes <laughs> on that board. And you better be Some able to adjust for sure. So that's what we're hoping to see for the Seahawks game. But just looking at the Seahawks, I think you've, you've covered it pretty well with, with Russell Wilson. He's not Kyler Murray. And that doesn't mean he's lesser than Kyler Murray. He's very much a threat. That offense is very much a threat. They do like to run the ball. They have a, they have a very capable running back. They have a really good receiving core. Uh, DK Metcalf over there as well. I mean, that's, that's a potent offense. So this defense is going to have their hands full for the Titans for sure. Offensively, you've got to find ways to control – the clock, in my opinion, and so that may go against the quick passes and all that. But all I mean by control clock, you hear that, and people say, "Oh, you have to run the ball." No, you just have to. You just have to make first downs. You have to keep the ball possession of the ball by converting first downs. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if you pass 100 percent of the time, as long as you're converting first downs. And, and yes, you, the idea is to run the clock. So I get it. You run the ball. You run the clock. Incomplete passes. Stop it. I get all that. But you have to have efficient plays, and that's all I'm looking for is efficient plays that this offense right now can run. And, and that's kind of what I think. I think it's more on the Titans than it is attacking Seattle. I think they have to, to, to go back, like we've talked about, and I think if they do what they can do and just have a little bit of change to their philosophy, I think that they can be successful against the Seahawks. Because, again, they're not going to see Chandler Jones this week. You think Taylor Lewan hopefully is better with a week of practice and can psych himself up or whatever he needs to do, even though that's a little silly. But he's a, he should be a pro, and he should be able to come out and make these blocks against these NFL defensive linemen. Well, and you got you to gotta take what the defense is giving you. I mean, there's something to be prideful about. And if you're going to be this, uh, this tough, tough uh, offense that wants to come in here and run it down the throat, well, great. If the defense is selling out to stop the run, then you got to be able to adjust and attack them through the pass, especially if you got A.J. Brown and you've got Julio Jones out sure. there. They came out and tried to do the exact same thing, and you're going to sit there. You talked all offseason about, well, not all offseason, but since you made the trade, about the weapons that's going to be out there. You didn't utilize them. You didn't even try to get them involved. You didn't even give them a target until the second quarter. That's an unacceptable game plan in any way, shape, or form. you got to use those shiny new toys. I'm sorry. I've, we said it a bunch on Sunday, and I'll say now you've got to find a way to get them involved in the game plan earlier than what you did because they've got and, – and, again, they, they need time to be able to get there too. So you've got to give them their chances early. Yeah, I, I'd expect them to come out with some quick strike offense to try and go ahead and get their uh, – get. Julio get AJ into the groove of the game, get them get that going, and then come back to try and establish the run. That would be my expectations for mm -hmm. this game. Um, but they, they may just be too prideful, and you're going to come back to the exact same thing and say, this is what we do. Yep. I, I think, and again, you would take some people off guard if you started off by passing to set up the run instead of using the run to set up the pass. Because, again, like you said, those those, those longer developing plays where you're going to play action in the two-man deep routes. And this was our problem when Mari Mariotti was here and the old regime, is that the, they would only do these two-man routes out of these big sets for max protection. But the problem is the, the, the routes were so long and developing downfield, the defense would get to him. And, and then that was a big part of the problem. See, I'm going to disagree with you there. I actually think they need to go back to that until the offensive line proves it can hold up. And when and you sure, have, when, sure. when you have AJ Brown and you had it, because in this past game, you still had plenty of routes going out. It's just, the problem is that they were all downfield. That's Not, my point. They don't yeah. need to be as downfield. Sure. So that, yeah. That's you don't need these long developing 20, 25 yard down the field, trying to hit big shots every single time you want to pass. And it seemed like they were doing that more often than not. So that, that that's my point. If I, yeah. if I misspoke, I, pro I apologize. But that's that's my point is that they need to to go. If you want to give chip help, that's fine. If that's your of keeping people in and going to two, but, but make it quicker to where you can let these athletes work. 
Yeah, and I'm actually fine with if they want to go to max protect, they want to bring in the three tight end sets. Yes, you're going to bring more people to the party. So, yeah, that may not help the run game, but that's where A.J. Brown and Julio Jones have got to be able to win their one-on-one matchups. So dictate them into one-on-one matchups. Yes, I agree, 100%. So let's talk about the defense a little bit and what you kind of expect and how they're going to attack Seattle. We talk about with Murray and his ability, you're not going to truly rush him because you're going to open up a ton of uh, rush lanes on the back end. Russell Wilson, he is elusive. He's not a guy that's going to break out for 20, 30-yard runs consistently anymore. You can get after him. Lord knows you watch any of Seattle's game. Make him run around like crazy. Can he go over the top on you? He absolutely can. Could he carve this defense up? Sure. But the problem is, is that he will carve you up if you don't get after him. I would love to see the Titans come out and get after him. I would love to see the Titans come out with a, an aggressive game plan to get after Russell Wilson to also try to plug gaps to stop the run early as well, too. Because, again, like you said, you're not really worried about him breaking up. Sure, he can still he can still scramble. He'll probably still be – instead of it being a 40-yard run, it'll be a five- to six-yard run. I'll live with those. At least come out there and try to pop them in the mouth and show them that you're not going to sit back and let them dictate the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, so I I think you do come out, you sell out. If you lose to Russell Wilson running 12 to 15 times for 100 yards, then cool. Tip your hat. Yep. And again, this was, uh, like I stated earlier, we'd get to it in a minute. I had picked this game originally looking at the schedule for the Titans. I thought it was going to be tough to go to Seattle. I thought actually the motions were going to be them coming off of a win at home and kind of a letdown because that's what I've come to expect from this team, that after a high there was a letdown. I didn't expect the letdown to be first. (laughs) Well, but that's the thing. If you've been watching this team, it's a team that loves being the underdog. Right. It has always loved being the underdog. Sure. So that's why I'm changing it to a win. Exactly. I think that this is probably a game they come out and win. And I, I think I think week ones are never really indicative of what is to come that season because so much weird stuff happens in week one. So, I mean, look, you watched the Raiders game last night against the Ravens, and that was just everything that could go wrong went wrong. No team deserved to win that game. Oh, that game or or both teams deserved to win it. I don't know. I have no real expl- explanation for that. So um, I have to get my word in. That game was very mercurial. So um, it was coming, and just there was nothing organic or no way to get it in. That's, that's the running theme, the mercurial show. So what we got? I just, uh, you know, we, we said there for a second there about how they're going to attack Seattle. We said that we think that they're possibly, I, I would think that they would win this game against mine. I still don't know if I'm going to pick them straight up because until this team proves to me that, A, the offensive line can have that cohesiveness and that, that Todd Downing is going to mix some things in, I'm not really ready to back this offense. And, and this, uh, this team isn't going to be what this team can be until that offense gets up to snuff. So for me, I think it's still too early. So I still think, I think it's a loss out in Seattle. I think it's a close game. I think it's 24-20. 21-24-20, something like that, that Seattle's going to win. I think the score is probably right, but I think you flip it. I think the Titans end up winning this game. I can't explain Happy to a be ton wrong. of it. Happy um, to be wrong. And I, you know, I think that's my head that is saying that. My heart says they're going to lose. <laughs> it just it just makes too much sense there. Um, and I do want to address this as the uh, no more no more zero blitz and off-man coverage, though, right? Um, that's from Josh Medina on Periscope. I actually expect that yeah. because, look, if you look at how Seattle likes to attack, they like to go over the top. I think that is going to be the number one thing that uh, the Titans are going to try and take away. No deep balls to lock it, no none to Metcalf, those kinds of things. So I would expect that now results maybe a little bit uh, – uh, 
mercurial. There we go. I got <laughs> it in a second you, time. You would have gotten it. I did. It was perfect. It was perfect. So I, I do expect more of that. I think that is going to be their number one thing is to take away the deep ball and make them march down the field thinking that that offensive line for Seattle won't hold up against it. And uh, I am interested, very interested to see Seattle is going to run the ball on them. Mm-hmm. They're going to run the ball and they're going to commit to the run, probably to their own detriment in a lot of times. So how is the Rashawn Evans, the Jayon Browns, um, if, is, if it is Elijah Molden is David Long starting there? Yeah, exactly. So that's where I'm interested to see how is this team going to hold up against a team that is going to run the ball at them. Okay, right before we get to our beer review, because we're still going to do one tonight regardless, because that's, that's the theme. That's our theme. Uh, we did have an interesting question here I wanted to get to. The first touchdown score for the Titans on Sunday. That's interesting. I don't really get into the daily fantasy betting because – I never get it right, and but there was an interesting bet out there that it was that Rodgers was the first to score for the Titans was like plus I don't know nine thousand. It was ridiculous odds for for that to happen. If they, if that would have won, I think Zach uh, from Efforts Pod did bet on that. If it would have hit, he would have made some money there. If you're looking for gambling, shouldn't they tune in uh, tomorrow night for the flex? Yeah, they should uh, t- tune in, and maybe we can ask that question there on the flex as well. But again, just if you were a betting man, who would you think would have the first touchdown for the Titans? Eh, probably Ferkser. I think that's a guy that they had talked about all off season that they didn't really work in as ton- a ton yeah, this don't past game. Swaying in the red yeah, zone. Yeah, I think please. it's going to be Ferkser. Berkser. I actually think it's A.J. Brown. It's going to be the first touchdown score for the Titans on Sunday. I think that's a safer bet. I It's a safer bet. It's also me. I probably got better odds. But we'll, I, we'll see. But it's definitely something to, I hope that it, either way, I, that's, that's us hinting that that's where their game plan should be. So if they're, if they're having a receiving touchdown as their first score, I think I'll be happy with it regardless of who gets it. So on to our beer review. And tonight, normally we have a nice IPA that Darren pours for us and he can talk about the brewery. And I don't know much about the Michelob Ultra Brewery, but it is I'm not a, giving pub to Michelob Ultra. As, as lightweight as the Titans were, we went with the lightest beer we could find. So Mick Ultra. Yep, there we go. We're so, done. So it's a light beer. It's it's refreshing because it's cold and it's a beer. I almost said something worse. <laughs> Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated, folks. So that is our that's our show for tonight. That's our beer review. This is going to be the closing of the Coach Corner. Thank y'all for sticking with us tonight and checking us out. We should be live again next week at Wild Hair if you want to come out and have a beer. There it is every cool Tuesday, like every Tuesday night at eight p.m. Depending on soccer practice, you know how that goes with kiddos. So uh, we should be fine there. But thank you all for joining us tonight. This is the Coach's Corner brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, broadwaysportsmedia.com, partner with 440 Sports. Go there and check out all of our other articles, reviews, everything that's coming out this week. My pick them later on this week. Check out our, our merchandise store. I think that there's a code out there, Flex15, for 15% off some of the Flex shirts if you want to check those out. Zach comes up with a million ideas each week. But until next time, we out. See ya. Broadway Sports Media Production.